Pizza no habit every day. Book three. Pie in the sky. Chapter seventeen. This could be the last time. The maps had been extremely useful in preparing for the hunt, and they would again be useful for post-excursion records and campaign progress analysis. But aside from plotting a destination during the actual mission itself, they were absolutely useless because the hunters in their hotel room would be time out of mind. We were headed to the Fornax Void tonight. There's some activity over there to check out, Veronica said. This trip will probably just be reconnaissance, unless we can all easily agree on the fly in favor of some surgically targeted extermination efforts. They dimmed the lights, switched on low, ambient white noise, lit the candles, opened the windows, and cranked up the room's air conditioning fan setting as high as it would go. Though the women all remained fully dressed, they crowded into one of the room's king-sized beds, covered their entire cells, including their heads, with the sheets, snuggled up, and waited for the Sandman. Veronica was the first to shine in at their destination, parked in an extremely high orbit of a relatively solitary, large and bright blue star, although from her position in the system's extremities, the blue sun appeared to her eyes no larger than a bright but small whitish-blue ball bearing. Her astral body was a deep, icy cold of an iridescent yet translucent metal-like composition with conductive water-like properties. Reflecting the ambient light from the local star, which she orbited distantly, she spun and directed a series of flashes at a more, far more distant point of light, which shimmered in response. She shined the local star, and it instantaneously created a connection that warmed her astral body and resonated throughout her vessel with a warm light that made her every cell smile and glow rich amber. She then unfurled a beauty of a tail that was about five times her body length. She balled up into a spiky disk, gathered a charge from the subethereal medium, and connected two precision electrical pulses with the local sun. She stopped frolicking and briefly directed her thoughts back to the hotel room. Moments later, Becca, Dusty, and Rainy all shimmered in, checkering, checkering in and out of the various of the nearest star systems before parking themselves near Veronica's location. It was not possible to talk out loud in the airless space, but there was no need to do so in the prescient stillness and relative ontological emptiness of their surrounding medium, easily facilitated cognitively auditable conversation without physical speech. Dusty and Randy had each made their tails about a mile long and were at least and were having a sword fight that was lighting up the local space with brilliant showers of sparks of every color. Becca was using hers to connect arcing current with various other local celestial bodies in orbit around the star, which also was sending sparks, causing lightning, and creating very subtle and extremely low vibrations in their region. Low is a function of the lengths, lengths of their tails. 
they started making them longer for more low rumbling sound. Meanwhile, Veronica floated peacefully facing away from their friendly star and grokking out at the depth of her alien perspective of deep, deep, deep space. We can come back to this, but now we must get to work, Veronica said, after about a half hour of their flopping around. She's right, let's get to it, Becca said, furling her tail, which was, by now, glowing orange amber from all her fireworks. They're that way, she said, pointing with her tail, at some point on a northern incline from their position in the local system. On the fourth satellite of a nearby star, the same class as this one, several million kilometers from here, well, there are not many of them, maybe about a hundred. Should we, should we take them out now, Rainy asked. Yeah, I think so, Veronica said, since there's not much else going on there. If, if their satellite were not so desolate, we would have to tread far more lightly. But it seems to be just them, old growth forests and vast primordial oceans will incinerate their hairy coils from the sky and then investigate what their mode of living was, incorporating whatever new knowledge we happen across about them into our future interstellar hunts. Also, we take note of the general environment, mindful of any pattern that could emerge as relates to their preferences for hiding out among the cosmos, Becca said. Their inclination towards darkness and relative solitude is a positive thing when it comes to their interdiction, because it makes us less likely that uh, to come upon any vast, densely populated, intergalactic, hegemonic, werewolf population distribution. Don't forget, however, that their presence on Earth seems to have been out of character insofar as violating their moxie of relative cosmic solitude, Rainy interjected. It serves us to think critically about what might have caused that deviation. Whatever, let's go, Dusty squealed. They all balled up and disappeared into the inky black interstellar medium with it. silent flashes that sent bracing shockwaves rattling off into the abyss, leaving in their wake a cloud of scattered protons. That's the end of book three. Look next for Denver Day's Hipster Bricks the cost of doing business and the price of egalitarianism in the 21st century. Coming soon. Come again. <laughs>